it just came through so strongly that there, there was that element of, of care for the kids and that focus on their their well-being and I think um, you know perhaps we haven't touched on that but it is one thing that we've picked up over this trip that um, because the whole school sports system is quite different here this the schools aren't being focused on teams and championships they are like quite genuinely focused on athletes listening to the NZPE TeacherCast, a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing teachers and educators within New Zealand and around the world. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With the ability to track student progress and quiz results, data provided by My Study Series ensures teachers remain informed of how well their students are performing. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the NZPE TeacherCast. We're actually coming live, well we're not live, but we're coming from Melbourne um, and we've got two guests with me tonight. We have Celia Fleck, who is with Team Solutions, right? Yep. And she's been on the, on the podcast before, so you all know her and, and a bit of her, her story, so I won't get her to, to share that with us at this point. But we also have Matt Cleaver, who is uh, Head of Physical Education and Health at New Plymouth Boys High School. Um, and we've been over in Melbourne on a bit of a, a travel scholarship uh, which was provided by New Zealand Secondary School Sports Council and we're looking at um, some athlete development programs around some, some really interesting schools in, in Melbourne and it's been a really good trip. We've been here for four days now and we head back to New Zealand tomorrow but um, what we might start off with is first of all maybe Matt you could introduce yourself since our guests or our audience sorry, don't, don't know much about you. Yeah, kia ora everybody, um, as Carl said, Matt Cleaver from New Plymouth Boys High School. I've been teaching for uh, about 10 years now and come from three different schools. Uh, first started at Harwater High School and uh, spent six years there and moved to Stratford High School for a few years and now I'm back back at school where I went to school, teaching um, at New Plymouth Boys High School. Um, and uh, I've known Carl for a while, went to university with him and played basketball with him and um, Obviously, passion is, is of sport of mine is basketball and, and also running. So it's uh, exciting to be in Melbourne, and it's awesome to be invited onto your podcast, Carol. Cheers, mate. Thanks for coming. And Celia, um, what's new with you? Anything? No, not a lot is new. Um, although we have had our um, contract extended for another year, so that's exciting. So that's um, uh, the play but sport contract. So um, yeah, my work. And Team Solutions University of Auckland is funded by Sport New Zealand and they've just come through with another year which gives us four years to work um, in the primary and intermediate and secondary schools that we are in Upper Hutt and up in Waitakere so that's pretty exciting. Awesome. So as I mentioned we're here in Melbourne and, and we've been to the four schools so far and this is just going to be a bit of an informal chat it's kind of unscripted we haven't 
really talk too much about what we're going to do, but I'm hoping that um, we're going to try to paint a picture of these schools that we've been to um, around the athlete development program and all of the things that come come with that, because there were some, some big surprises, I think, from all of us that we observed and saw over these um, over the last three days. Um, so kind of the, the focus will be maybe a little bit of a description, um, which Celia and Matt will help me out with, because I'm, my notes are <laughs> fairly brief. Um, so a bit of a description of the school, there may be something that we each took away that was really interesting, um, or something we, we thought was well, maybe unexpected, and then maybe our key takeaway from each school. So we're going to try to spend about eight minutes on each school, um, so hopefully we don't bore you to death. So uh, we'll get on to it. So the first school we went to was um, Maribyrnong Sports Academy. Was it Sports Academy or Sports College? Maribyrnong Sports Academy within the Maribyrnong Secondary College. That's the one. So that this this school was the first one we went to, um, and you guys can help me out a little bit here. But it was a school that was in, uh, I think it was a, a fairly low decile area, or the Australian version of that, and they were struggling, and it was um, they had some challenging times. And Rob Carroll, who was a principal at the time, had an opportunity to really introduce some innovative things around sport. Yeah, I think um, you'll find he wasn't principal at the time, but it was going to be closed. The department was going to close the school. Yeah. And then Rob said to the department, let me let me do this in the school, I think is how that one goes. And yeah, and they said, all right, nothing to lose kind of thing. So, so we went along to the school and they have about their role. Can you recall their role? Um, they've got 550 student athletes and then that many again non-student athletes I think is what I remember yeah. fully funded, 500 fully funded yeah student athletes and on student scholarship athletes on scholarships yeah which Rob explained in terms of probably isn't a scholarship in the sense that we might think of it in New Zealand it's um, it's a service in terms of they're provided with with that service if you like so it's not they're not paid any money they're not paid to board or anything like that so the athletes don't get any monetary thing from but it they or, don't pay anything but they don't pay anything yeah. but they don't pay anything to go the kids like no one pays anything to go there anyway it's just a matter of um it's a state funded it's school. a state funded school yeah. yeah yeah and so they it just means that they can come from anywhere to attend that sports academy, whereas the, the, the school itself is zoned. So. Rob's probably listening right now, and he's <laughs> yeah, going, we're making oh a mistake. They've they just <laughs> totally screwed us up. But um, anyway, so the, the first, the, the, oh, clearly the most the obvious thing that we saw from the school were the facilities, and uh, we rocked up to this place, and you, you walk into this foyer that has. Um, a, a track laid out that goes through the foyer and then down the end of the foyer there's some doors that open out um, you look to the left and there is a three court basketball stadium you went in there and there's this amazing floor it's a, it's a world class venue you go along towards the end of that and then you, you open up into um, uh, an area designed for badminton and it was um, world, world level badminton facility they had these lights that could be the, the lights, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a, a video cast soon and it's going to show you these lights, but the lights aren't down facing, they're side facing and they get lowered down I think um, 
Craig was the current principal there, was that his name, I think? He mentioned yeah. that they, they lower them down to three metres. Three metres above the floor. Yeah, because yeah. if you're, you're trying to um, locate a shuttlecock, you don't want to have those lights. They also have special air conditioning thing in yeah, the whole yeah, place. Yeah. So that the shuttles, there was no influence on the on the shuttles' air time um, so that they could play an international standard. Yeah. And they had, they did they hold a they held a qualifying for Olympics or mm. something. I can't mm. remember exactly what it was, but it was something amazing that mm. they had used for, used for that facility. Um, at, at, alongside that, four they had the strength and conditioning room, which was just um, I wouldn't call it world class, but it had pretty much everything. You know, everything you needed. It was big. They had um, maybe four lifting platforms, probably five or six. Um, squat racks, dumbbells, they had some, all of their cardio gear, they, they had some assault bikes, they had um, some glute ham raise machines, actually I'd probably call it world class, it was probably world yeah, class. Yeah it was, yeah, for me though, the thing that, 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 year that, I was, that resonated the most was the stuff on top of the actual physical equipment, so the quotes on the mirrors, quotes on the on the walls um, yeah. I mean obviously they had the plunge pools next door which was yeah. pretty amazing the physio unit but just those little minor yeah. things they had the crest mm. on the lifting platforms platforms that it was embroidered or not embroidered sorry screened onto the lifting yeah. platforms yeah. and for me that was probably bigger than just seeing all the equipment yeah. um, which was pretty awesome yeah. after that you, you head outside and then you've got um, your tennis courts you've got your soccer turf which is massive you have um, they had a square 330 metre athletic track, which was a little bit weird, but um, I guess that served its purpose. Um, with the hockey turf in the middle, and then down the end they had the outdoor volleyball courts, the, the beach volleyball mm. courts. And a four square. Yeah. <laughs> and some four square with the leftover, with the leftover turf. Um, amazing, amazing facilities, and the best facilities we saw, but um, that really wasn't what made this school. So... Um, what maybe what what did you find most interesting? You touched on the um, the quotes and those small things, but was there anything that really stuck out for you as being something you hadn't considered? Well, we'll probably talk about this more often, but um, as we go on through the schools, but this is probably where it really hit home the old athlete centred, um, and where you've got the athlete in the middle and you've got everybody else around and the wraparound support. Um, and I know that was a theme throughout the whole trip, but this is. This is right from the very start. You talked, you know, Rob talked about, or the, the principal talked about what they do for the athlete outside of sport and how they wrap support around that person. Um, I mean, a, a quick example is they had a little diary or a notebook in the staff room that had the, one of the students' names in it, or all the students' names in it, and, and next to it, it had all the commitments that the boy, the kid had during the week and a bit of a profile, and then a photo of themselves in uniform, and then a photo of themselves in, in, in sports uniform, and allowed the staff to be able to see actually what these kids get up to um, and that was and that was part of the athlete friendly um, staff or teaching so the teachers were athlete friendly culture athlete friendly culture yeah um, which also was uh, the, they promoted the teacher friendly culture as well so if they were going to be athlete friendly the teachers are going to be athlete friendly they also wanted the, the athletes to be teacher friendly as well so it was a bit of give and take so for me that was probably the, the real start of seeing that wraparound support and, and well-being and student welfare, athlete welfare. Yeah, that's one of the things that I was going to pick up on was um, that athlete-friendly culture. So at this particular school, um, Rob Carroll explained 
Well, Rob, he explained that in any school, um, when teachers are applying for jobs, there's kind of, um, and I guess it's probably similar to our appraisal process, but there are essentially five criteria that teachers have to um, demonstrate evidence against, and if they're going in a job interview, that's kind of what the, the school's looking for. Um, in this particular school, they've got a sixth criteria because, again, they're the, you know, the, the state departments, so our Ministry of Education's um, sports specialist school, they've got a sixth criteria where teachers have to um, demonstrate a willingness to negotiate deadlines and um, they have to make work accessible um, electronically, so online for their kids. So that's that's part of that athlete-friendly culture, and it was um, it was certainly repeated throughout the the trip that you know at, at every school that athlete-friendly culture is a really big part. Um, but like you said, Matt, the the teacher-friendly um, culture that goes with that, and so that um, that was a big part of not only Maribyrnongs but other schools as well. So um, athlete development in terms of personal development. So it was about giving those um, student athletes the skills to have those conversations with adults and to be able to know that if they wanted some um, some give and take from from their teachers, that they had to be able to show that that kind of that earned that and they were demonstrating the right behaviours in class. So um, so yeah, that 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 was a really really interesting relationship that that was that was really explicit and um, I, I think really um, something that we could take back. If they weren't demonstrating those behaviours, they had redemption. Yeah, that was, was interesting. Which, yeah. I know. which was pretty cool and they, they, yeah. they got a chance to redeem themselves over a period of time and uh, I suppose it was a little bit equivalent to, to detention but they didn't call it detention as such. Yeah, it was redemption instead of detention. Yeah, which, mm. had, um, which was quite good. It didn't have the same sort of negative, negative connotations that detention detentions have. Because it was quite purposeful, right? Like sometimes when we set a detention, um, when we, you know, sometimes when detentions are set, they're quite um, a waste of time and it's mm. just, you know, quite meaningless. But the redemption was quite purposeful. Mm. It was, um, it was making up that work that hadn't been completed, and so that that was what they were working off essentially, wasn't it? Even though the, the teachers wanted the work submitted and they wanted the. Mm. Their, their main focus was academic progress. Yeah. And they talked about that a lot, didn't they? Mm. And that's, that was pleasing to hear. Because it's not just elite sport. Yeah, I was, I was going to touch on the athlete for any culture too because I thought it was really um, unique that, you know, kind of the, the ups, well, not upskilling, but that uh, negotiation with the teacher in the sense that we're going to negotiate deadlines, we're going to we're not going to let them get away with more but we're going to have an understanding and we're going to value that a student athlete an elite student athlete has different needs to um, your everyday student that is not part of their athlete development program and I think in, in school at the moment we um, and, and we, Gary mentioned this as well is that we we have students who are gifted and we we treat them differently we give them more opportunities and a little bit more support but maybe we don't do that with our physically gifted students and we should because they have different needs. Yeah and I think to put that in perspective as well um, you know of those 550 student athletes that they had 180 of them were state or national representatives so you know that's a that's a lot of really high performing students in the school that that did need 
that specialist um, care around them. So, One thing I thought was really interesting was we were watching, uh, I think there were some junior students, they were doing some of their strength and conditioning work and uh, one of the teachers just grabbed one of the girls, I think she might have been year, I think she was year 10. She was our year 10. Student. No, she was the year 10, our year 11. Sorry. And they just plucked her out and said, tell us what you're doing. And she spoke really confidently. Very mature. Eh? Yeah, yeah. To be speaking to 10 adults. Rob said tonight again, was it tonight or this morning, talked again about how these people are prepped. Part I think part of their learning is dealing with the media or dealing with people and they get prepped to talk about their own school. But I can sell, you can tell that they've been prepped to, to talk Quite, quite well in front of people yeah. she was exceptional and in fact the other couple that we talked to as well at the bus were the same they were, and they stopped and they talked to you and they made eye contact so very, very mature people so key, key takeaways from that school maybe something you can look at potentially action, actioning soon something you want to try something that you can just take away from that school for me, there's some real easy ones, you know, and it can be next week, and that's that visual imagery around the quotes within the gym, um, and the, the, the crest on the floor, and maybe some some more of that visual imagery around, you know, displaying those um, those key attitudes or your values that you that you have within your school through sport. Um, I mean, there's many, but that would probably be the easiest one, quickest one. Celia, um, I think. Uh, linking in with both sort of my work in sport education and play.sport another one of the really um, powerful messages that came through from that that school and others was the really powerful um, community partnerships that they had and um, so how can we you know make links with uh, those human resources and, and other resources within our community to enhance what's happening in, in that school space so yeah, that was that'd be one thing that perhaps I could investigate a bit more. My one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna look at, and we haven't mentioned it yet, but they had this tile wall, and it it was basically a, a massive wall of tiles, and it was a mixture of um, tiles, and then um, some tiles stuck out from the wall, so you had this texture. They had mirrored tiles, and then they had um, descriptors placed throughout randomly, and the purpose of this wall was to um, celebrate success so they had their Australian representatives and their national representatives and their state representatives and they had pictures of the kids and they had um, a nice little um, label that was coloured depending on the level um, they had messages like who's going to be our next Socceroo um, with a silhouette on it um, they had the mirrored tiles on the wall that was about a year 7 or 8 student could look into that and see themselves and, and kind of use that as a as a driving force um, to set their goals around, you know, achieving excellence within their sport. And I thought that was really cool and something that was reasonably easy to implement, I think. So that's something I'm going to take away and try to implement, I think. After that, we went along to um, Roeville Sports Academy. Um, and and this, was, this was quite different. The way they, they implemented um, their athlete development program and I, I found it quite hard to get my head around, so hopefully you guys have <laughs> better notes than I do. I'm just looking at them now. But they did a lot of their athlete development program um, within school time, whereas Maribyrnong did a lot before and after school. They placed a lot of their coaching within the school day. And 
they had um, several sports that they catered for, and uh, so they had basketball, they had football, um, they had golf. Uh, what are some other ones that they mentioned that they AFL AFL, and they explicitly supported these codes with elite coaches, um, and. I can't recall how the timetable was set up, but a lot of this coaching and development happened during school hours. Can you remember how, exactly how it worked? Well, it was a third of their curriculum time. I remember that much. So, and I know <laughs> that it was instead of PE, mm. and it was instead of um, they call it LOAT, so language other than English, which is so both those PE and LOAT um, mandated, um, and they had essentially taken those out of the curriculum for those kids so yeah so they had a they had a lot of curriculum time that they were doing it in but it was interesting like when again putting it in the context of the the largest school there so this was Roval Secondary College and within that college they had the sports academy that we went to look at but they also had an arts academy and they had a maths and science academy and then they had what they called their general excellence students so um yeah, so again, it was a school that was looking at different pathways for different different students. It wasn't just about the sports academy. Yeah, so what, what were some interesting things you saw there? It was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was an afternoon, it was the afternoon, and it was really hot, but it was, um, oh, they, they, you know, for those people that are interested in basketball, they had a guy there that um, used to coach at the Institute of Sport, was the assistant coach of the Tall Ferns. Um, so he was he was the program coach and probably for me uh, we also met the football guy out there and by all by, by the sounds of things and based on what we were told about him he was also really um, high up there in his coaching qualifications so the thing that probably came through the most there was the, the people and the, the skills of those people in, in this environment were crucial um, for, to, you know for the development of these kids and they, um, by the sounds of things, the high school actually really you know, attacked and, and, went, and went hard to get these staff. Um, and as a result, they've got some real quality. They had a, a, for, had a former Opal, she was an Opal, mm, yeah. um, Olympian, and she was the coach um, there while we were while we were talking to the to the, the Australian Institute of Sport former coach, and um, she was shooting ball, shooting shooting hoops, and she was actually playing with the girls when we walked past. So. The people there, the, the expertise, the, the skills coaches came through for me the most. That, um, yeah, Dean Kinsman was the coach's name. And, and that's what kind of stuck out for me. Aside from it being super hot, they had those four in the corners, four gigantic fans. But they didn't have them we on. We were going. And we were sitting there <laughs> listening to Dean talk, and I had a bit of my t shirt was getting all sweaty. And, and then See, they, you were feeling I sick, weren't you? banning myself feeling sick, yeah. Trying to get out of there. <laughs> They, um, while we were talk, while we were hearing from Dean, the um, the other coach took the students down to the corner, and they were doing some sort of hamstring stretch where they had to their feet up, feet up on the circulation. wall, circulation, circulation. Yeah. And the the coach got the big fan and basically lined it up alongside them and just turned it on. It was just it was blowing them. But yeah, so hearing Dean speak, um, he looked like quite a gruff dude. You know, he he had a beard and stuff. He was passionate. But he was passionate, and it was about relationships for him. And um, what got me was, uh, I think you asked a question about um, well-being and the support around um, these students and um, 
being able to identify when students were battling or, or struggling or, or falling behind and he, he talked about um, just seeing it in their eyes and it kind of came across that he was somebody that um, really formed solid relationships with his athletes and the principal there as well was talking about how um, he is he's not a teacher he's not a coach he's a mentor and uh, almost like a family figure and he sees these kids so much that um, and he told a story about the kids who had fundraised um, they were off to where were they off to? they were off to America and they mm. fundraised and got him a nice little engraved stitched up bag which um, yeah so just hearing about how passionate those staff were, were um, was a big takeaway or a big or an interesting point for me Celia yeah again it was um, it was another example of that community partnerships you know it was a shared facility where they had um, health services that, that the community could access but the, 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 school, the kids could access as well um, yeah it was a model that didn't sit particularly well with me because of that um, the, the kids um, using so much of their curriculum time and and not having that that, that more, more holistic PE program I guess and and being solely um, focused on their sport um, but like you've been talking about that coach you know um, it, it just came through so strongly that there, there was that element of, of care for the kids and that focus on their their well-being and I think um, you know perhaps we haven't touched on that but it is one thing that we've picked up over this trip that um, because the whole school sports system is quite different here this the schools aren't being focused on teams and championships they are like quite genuinely focused on athletes um, and, and, and the whole the whole athlete so their academic and their, and their personal development their social development as well as their um, development in, in whatever sport or path that they're taking so that that came through strongly yep. definitely yep. Marin Ron they actually sacrificed winning school titles to give people an opportunity to to develop their own skills I mean they said that if they put their best team forward in some of these you know the cricket guys they'd, they'd win yeah you know? and so they talked about playing them out of position yeah as playing a out of position and bowling them in different places and then yeah. guys that are on the fringe giving them a go and and, and we're talking about schools that have some of the best athletes in the oh, state oh crazy and, and you know and, they were, and that's that is completely against the culture that we have in New Zealand mm. and I'm not saying that's right or wrong I'm just saying that that's, that's what came through mm. and then you went to the Roval in the afternoon and they're the same but they did put a girls team together and they were national champions mm. um, but 40 did he say 40 or 40 40 to 50 I couldn't remember the exact number I might have 45 actually um, had gone to uh, America on scholarships for basketball mm. uh, which is unbelievable at a one school what what the listeners probably aren't, aren't getting now which I think we're gonna we'll, we'll elaborate on this a bit more at the end of the podcast is this focus on well-being and surrounding the student athletes with the support and um, advisory group or ad, uh, what's the word just how they framed and surrounded them with, with support and I think we'll finish on that after our after our last two schools because that has been one of the biggest themes that we've seen something that I didn't really didn't expect um, I, I didn't have any aside from the relationships that were really clear and evident with the people that they brought in who were super elite um, I didn't have any takeaways because I think that's just a model that would, couldn't 
couldn't fly in New Zealand at all. Um, I don't see how it could function. So I didn't really have any takeaways, but I did enjoy um, being inspired by how well these coaches obviously knew their athletes and um, the time and, and that that they put into their craft. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. It just consolidate the well-being factor as well, knowing your athlete and giving them that wraparound support. And But other than that, it was yeah, certainly a, a model that's a little bit out of reach for... Pretty good facilities, though. They Amazing had, they had uh, two court and a single court. Yep. They had the, the soccer turf. Um, then they had a nice... Uh, they actually had a, a well-being a health physiotherapist-type clinic in there that had a nice gym set up, and we saw a group um, doing their strength and development, uh, strength and conditioning in there, and it looked like it was going really good. But they also they used their community well. They used the swimming pool. The golfers went to the golf course, um, and, and the AFL used a different field, so that community engagement was really good. Yeah, they had um, third-year students from right. the local university that were sort of doing internships, internships in the school so um, you know when they were doing the, that, those fundamental movement um, and strength and conditioning with, with the students they had such an awesome ratio with those yeah. kids because oh, they had yeah. all these university students in there assisting them. They almost them. had more staff than kids. They <laughs> almost did. Yeah. 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 Uh, we had that was the end of our, our first day. Second day, we were up nice and early, and we headed out to a place called Bendigo, which took about two and a half hours to get there, I think. Um, and the first school we went to was, was Bendigo Senior College. Now, a senior college has only caters for year 11 and 12 students in Australia, which is our year 12 and 13 uh, in New Zealand, and they had two and a half thousand students there, which is, is massive. Um, so basically, all the junior colleges fit into that one school and uh, they had about 65 students within their athlete development program is what my notes are telling me yeah. is that sound about right yeah um, and they had uh, predominantly AFL basketball um, and netball and we Gary mentioned that the reason he wanted to take us to this school was he wanted to show us how the system could be implemented without all the flashy facilities that we had seen on the previous day um, it was a big school um, they had the stock standard facilities I think but they were still implementing um, this athlete development program and I think the interesting thing for me there was it was a lot around the academic mentoring side of things and the advisors that the students had um, and and probably this is where you started coming to the realization um, that it wasn't about elite sport and performance and trophies. It was about the well-being of the athletes, student athletes that were involved. That started to become really clear for me on that second day. Yeah, this was this this was a really interesting school. I really enjoyed this one. Probably it mm. hooked me right at the start because straight away they brought in the head of essentially the head of the health and PE learning area. Um, uh, she was. Um, a really big part of that um, support network for these these kids. So this this was a model that for me the athlete development was almost um, a, a side side show. Almost it was very much about recognizing we are a school of you know two thousand odd kids. We know that we've got elite athletes within that group of kids. Um, these kids are going to get lost in our system if we don't do something to support them and, and 
kind of provide that welfare network um, to, to support the needs of these kids. And, and you know, they do have special needs, these, these, these student athletes. So, um, so yeah, this one, this one I really liked. They've been really innovative with their timetable. That was, I think, one of the things that, that really um, a lot of people took away was um, how creative they'd been with their timetable to support the student athletes, but actually it then allowed um, support for a whole raft of things. Eh? It, wasn't then, it wasn't just these, these student athletes that benefited. Um, so they were very creative about um, providing space and time for these kids to do their, their coaching or get away early for trainings if they had to travel to Melbourne for trainings or travel away for games or things like that. Yeah, to paint a picture of that timetable, I, th I think what it looked like was um, basically your core subjects had a double period and then two singles. Um, and I think there were six periods a day, they are 45 minute periods, but then on Tuesday afternoon and Thursday afternoon, uh, they had um, they had SAC time, which was um, basically assessment time, yeah, school, well, school like, assessment. Yeah, yeah. So not, not uh, like, uh, like practice exams? No, they were actual exams. Mm. It was like, um, so, so it was essentially like our NCA internal assessments, except their, um, their mode of assessment was pretty much always a test. A lot of tests. Yeah, no, no, they, no reports, no assessments. No, they were talking no about assignments. how 50% of their final qualification is exams at the end of the year. So they felt that they needed to prepare them for those by during the year giving them yep. exams yep. essentially so and and they obviously had um you know rather than one class do it period one tuesday and another do it period five wednesday they had this time when the they whole cohort would come together yep. and sit this exam test at the same time so. but if you if you didn't have and and integrated really well with their learning management system which was called compass um which was kind of like kama on steroids if you're not kama as um and so if you didn't have that booked in, essentially, you, if you wanted to, you'd go home or you'd go to the study centre, which they had a study centre set up, um, or you could go and do more training. Um, it was just a really innovative approach. And one of, one of my takeaways from there was that um, I think don't be prepared to accept the status quo. And when people say, no, it can't be done, well, actually, you know, if you're prepared to challenge and, and if you want to innovate, then just find a way because um, if you're prepared to um, you know buy into something there's always going to be a way to do it and they've obviously found a unique way and we heard Rob talk about how he was blown away with that, that timetable approach um, so so that was probably um, one of one of the key takeaways for me from that school when Rob's saying that that timetable is very innovative and amazing you know that this that's amazing yeah. Uh, he's Rob who's pretty much you know the guru on athletic development and he's done this yeah. so for me there was a lot of wow moments in this school um, probably more so because uh, we talked a bit more about links with curriculum Celia and, mm. and we, we got to speak to uh, more PE teachers uh, or particularly the, the lady um, that was in charge uh, we talked about um, reporting which that was probably the thing that I took out of it the most is the, is the reporting process they, they report correct me if I'm wrong, every five weeks. Um, the stuff that they're reporting on, though, uh, is stuff that's of real value. Um, and I don't have the, the actual criteria on me, but I'm sure Carl will post it at some stage. 
um, we had a debate with Gary around what the answers should be that the teachers give, but in terms of the questions that they were having to report on, again it came back down to that well-being of the student as well, mm. um, and they got an idea of where those where those kids were, at, 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 you know, at irregular intervals throughout the year, and we were lucky enough that he pulled up the data on his daughter and we could see all the assessment tasks. And you talked about that compass on steroids. I mean, it's it's been polite. That was amazing. Could see where every test was, um, every set was going to be set. Uh, you could see where all the results. You could see the data from her reporting testing, and it was just, it was awesome. Yeah, Kama is more output with assessment input, but this was you could input everything, um, and and that created um, a platform that just had so much rich data in there that teachers could access and use, and the students and parents as well. Um, I really like the look of Compass. Um, I wish KML was more like it. I think it's important, they, they said at the start, that, and you touched on it at the very start, that are very pathway and, and that, you know, that they want to provide pathway and sporting aspirations. And that was, quite, that was quite key, that they weren't just so interested in making these guys amazing cyclists or, you know, they wanted to give them a pathway. So if things went wrong or didn't quite happen for them, they, they had them in a pathway. They, they, they were a builder or they were going to university or they were a doctor or whatever it was. Uh, and they so weren't assuming that if you were an elite athlete you wanted to do PE. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you wanted to do a trade, mm. they supported you and mm. helped you craft your pathway to get mm. there. Mm. Anything else on that score? Um, just, um, it, I thought it was interesting, so the, the, um, the head of PE, she was, she was called a learning engagement coordinator. And so they had restructured kind of what their middle leaders looked like in the school and they had they were combined curriculum and pastoral roles. So she was in charge of the health and PE curriculum area, but she also was essentially a dean or you know in charge of the pastoral um, needs of the, um, the those 65 um, student athletes that, that were part of that, that program. Um, so I thought that was quite mm. an interesting kind of way of of looking at that leadership. And, and they had and a learning advisory. adult environment. They did. A first name basis. Yeah. 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 It's like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, the, um, you know, Paul who spoke to us there, he, he used that phrase time management and organisation so many times mm. during the presentation to us. Time poor, and time, uh, time poor and poor time managed. The, yeah, yeah. And how to, and how to, teach them not to be right so how to support them in terms of those time management and organization skills and all those other life skills that are needed for them to be successful as athletes successful as students and successful in life and yeah he was really um i I felt that he was really proud of the school and and celebrated a lot of success and some of his success stories, and he kept saying, how good is that, how good is that? Like, he was just so excited and passionate about everything yeah. that he could tell us about, and it was, yeah. that was quite refreshing. He even liked his quotes, didn't he? Yeah. Carousel at the airport, <laughs> write that one down. <laughs> He's definitely passionate. Yeah. And he didn't have any of the facilities, or we didn't get to see them, but mm. we were told they were, you know, so if you're sitting there thinking that this can only be done with, you know, these amazing facilities, well, have a look at this place because they go and find their facilities. They go out into the community and use the community facilities. Mm. And then the last school we, we visited was um, 
Bendigo South East, which is um, a junior school, which fed into the the VCE, the the senior the senior school. And this, um, I mean, my outside Maribyrnong, which with the facilities was amazing. This this was one of my favourites as well because. Um, and, and I'll explain shortly, but it was there was a lot of really cool technology being used in the school mm-hmm. in, in authentic and meaningful ways. But um, basically, they had three levels of athlete development. Um, they had your your core students who were um, they were the fundamental athlete development programs, and they had an associate level which didn't quite come with the support that those athlete development uh, student athletes had, and then they had an alumni. Um, component which was uh, students who had left the school but come back in to do their training so they might be at the senior the senior college but they come back in and they also form um, some support uh, for a lot of these younger athletes coming through and they they had you walk in they had transformed their hall their school hall into this um, training facility which was amazing, and again, I'll, I'll have um, a video log with all of these facility, um, the videos that I took throughout this, um, so check that out, hopefully I've got it uploaded by now, but um, it'll be coming if it, if it isn't. And so they transformed it, and they had this track down the middle that opened, again, sliding doors, um, and then they had the squat racks, they had um, kettlebells, they had, they had everything, basically, and then you're up on where the stage was, they had more gear, and I um, I saw some machines that I've never seen in my life, and this is this is catering to essentially um, year seven New Zealand year seven eight nine ten eleven, yeah that's about right. So the the oldest student they get was our year elevens, that's who they are catering for. And one thing that um, really opened my eyes a little bit was this: in New Zealand, we tend to avoid any sort of strength and conditioning that involves a weight room with our junior students. Here, here we had this facility that was probably better than any facility you find in New Zealand and these kids were in there um, at sometimes with, uh, I wouldn't say unsupervised, but they were left to their own devices to go through their training. And it was about instilling and preparing and teaching um, those students correct technique and stuff like that. But um, that was quite eye-opening for me. I'll talk about some of that, um, the technology as well soon but what about you guys what did you find interesting just going back to that lifting I think the other focus across all the schools has been that they have focused heavily on Olympic lifting and although there hasn't been you know much weight attached to the Olympic lifting even at the year 7 age they have been doing Olympic lifts and you saw examples uh, in all schools where they had um, tubes of you know plumbing tube um, and they were filling up with sand and that was the bar that that was the weight all they had and they just focused heavily on that but going back to um, that gym, the, the, the link with the um, senior school was that they had an alumni project at the junior school. So the seniors that didn't have the facilities actually came across and trained there and part of the alumni, they were still in the, in the program. Um, I know you'll talk about the, the um, training peaks and visual coaching and whatnot, but I think one of the biggest things that, came, that, that, that resonated with me was if you're gonna collect data, you've gotta do something with it. You've gotta use it. And um, they collected a lot of data, and I'm sure you'll talk about you know the, some of the examples in terms of that technology. But I know I'm personally guilty at collecting some data, not always looking at it and using it. And um, he gave an example of of um, some of the, some athletes at the AOS that you know showed some um, suicidal characteristics for a couple of weeks, 
in their data that they were giving to their coaches and no one picked it up because they found out that no one was watching it. So for me, if we're going to, if we're going to collect data around well-being and how they feel and their motivation levels and how sore they are and how sleep they had and all that, we actually need to interpret it and do something with it. So that was what I walked out, among many other things, um, but that's the one that I'll like to touch on briefly. Yeah, I was um, I was interested in some of the things that they spoke about in terms of um, the whole school improvement that they were seeing as a result of not only the sports um, or a sports academy or this athlete development program that was in with the school, they've also got an arts, a similar arts program in the school. And they talked about the two programs adding to the glow of the school, so the, the real lift that they've seen in, um, in the school and, and we certainly heard um, that they were at or above capacity in terms of the numbers of kids that they were attracting um, and you know one of the staff talked about um, you know that the, the, the athlete development program for a lot of the kids was a real hook that they knew that they had to really be on form um, in terms of their behaviour, in terms of their classroom um, learning um, you know, and if they weren't, then then they were going to be out essentially, or you know, again, perhaps having to do some Learning redemption. Culture, yeah. yeah, that's right. But um, so that so that was one of the things that really stood out for me was you know that that um that effect that um that sport or, or the arts can have in lifting the profile of the school, lifting the culture of the school, um, lifting engagement and achievement for for young for young people in the school. And the other thing that I found really interesting at, at that school, and, and I think it had been talked about prior, but it was about how um, how evidence and research based these programs were. So these weren't just um, you know staff like and, and, and schools thinking, oh yeah, we'll yeah, we'll give this a go, you know, we'll run with it, bring Jimmy in a couple lifts of people. Weight so he can that's take right. The that's right. It wasn't. It was. Um, you know, they they'd done a lot of um, looking at the research and at the evidence around. Um, around what what good practice would look like um and and so that um that was really interesting for me um that that they, that they spoke about that yeah. they had three big pieces of software that they used um and they were all really good the first one was visual coaching software and that was a, um that was a, a gym piece of software that uh, they used for a lot of their programming for the students and that provided they'd have devices that they could the students could access and see what their workouts were going to be for their strength and conditioning um, they had video clips aligned to that they had their sets and their reps set and that was all done um, by the strength and conditioning coaches in advance um, that was really cool it was called visual coaching software um, and I'm going to look at getting access to that for some of my plans I, I want to do next year. Um, that was really cool. The other one, another one they used was Training Peaks, which um, actually you could probably do a better description. Yeah, of this it was, one. that was unbelievable. So basically, what happened is it tracked. They used GPS watches, obviously. I mean, this is this is a running focused program more than anything, but it was linked back to the non-running sports or the non-high uh, cardio sports. But they um, they were tracking their their progress and their fitness levels based on their heart rates and that over a period of time they could graph it they could show and what they were trying to do is they were trying to bring the um the fatigue and the form together um during race race time uh, when they're ready to race and he, he showed some examples and he even showed himself uh, this guy who was who actually won the australian cross-country champs this year phenomenal runner um 
but in terms of the data that they got out of it, he, he could track his, his junior athletes, or all of his athletes, how their fitness was actually tracking um, and see when they felt fatigued and when they needed to just button off a little bit so that they could prepare themselves for the race coming this weekend. And yeah, it was powerful. It was yeah. very powerful. And he, you know, he's a he's an international level runner and he has quote unquote, I love training peaks. <laughs> And um, yeah, that was quite powerful. So a trick, trick there uh, had a line graph tracking their fitness levels, which was which would you would hope was rising. But then they had two other points that were their fatigue levels and their form. And when obviously when they're going through high volume periods, the fatigue and form were quite way apart. But mm. as they wanted to peak and get closer to race day, you wanted to see those come close together. And you could he showed us he showed us some of his athletes, and you could see the race days. The race weeks that they had because those two points came together. You showed him, and that was the one that really showed the yeah. evidence. God, he could bring it right together. And he, he his thing was he wanted to um, be confident in the data that was it was spitting out, mm-hmm. and so he he used it himself um, before using it with the students. But the the big somebody telling us to shut up probably knocking on the door next to us. The big, the big one for me was their learning management system. So they had this learning management system that um, was designed in-house by the IT team. Um, and how it was used, it, it tracked a whole lot of things. But the, the cool thing they had was that the ADP students, they reflected on a daily basis. When they got up, they had to have it done by 9.30 a.m., I think it was. Um, and they rated themselves on feelings, energy levels, motivation and physical activity and that data was um, made uh, they had a visual representation of that data and if it had dropped below two I think or it was a two or below Mm. um, they were highlighted in red and that allowed um, Andy said that I don't know maybe Chris said that if they saw that those red markers they'll just make sure that they'll stop by that that student say how's everything going on you know how's everything what's up how you feeling Um, and that I thought that was really powerful and it linked them with everything else, with their achievement data, their learning cultures that they got, which was uh, like a discipline, form of discipline mm. or redemption. I, I don't recall that too well, but um, they did that really, really well. Um, and I enjoyed seeing um, that, I guess, that scientific approach to everything that they had there. That package we're trying to purchase. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. It, just, it was made by the tech people within the school not even an outside company or you know and it's it's not for sale but it was yeah it was pretty cool i think we all wanted to try and purchase it on the spot mm. <laughs> mm. so um to, to wrap things up I, I think the common theme here is and if you think about what we've just spoken about at each of the schools we actually didn't touch on really physical development until we got to the last school everything else was focusing on that well-being how the student was at the centre and it was about how the athlete development programs could support them to be better students, better people and then better athletes in that order. That was the order that a lot of these um, programs focused on and I thought that was really powerful. It was really clear, evident, um, whereas I mean, Celia mentioned before that the system in New Zealand is a little bit different and the focus tends to be on trophies and cabinets and their system is different but it was all about well-being. It just everywhere you looked, it was about looking after the, the student athlete. Do you agree? Yeah, I think um, 
you know, we talked about that that last school having that that fantastic um, technology in terms of um, kids uh, reflecting on their well-being every day. But every school that we went to, they were monitoring that well-being in some form. Yeah. Um, you know, regularly. Not it might have been every day in every school, but but that was really important, and it came through really strongly that it wasn't just the kids reporting it, but that it was being looked at and it was being responded to in, in some way and that that was really important so yeah very powerful yeah very powerful yeah. just to see the way in which the, the care they take or the interest they have for their athletes and they're not pushing them you know they're not flooding them they're not trying to thrash them they're, they're not trying to force them to be uh, amazing sportsmen at at a young age so that they can be part of a, a very strong uh, first five basketball team or first 15 basketball, you know, first 15 rugby team so that they can get trophies and cabinets. They're looking at this this kid as a long-term... Um, investment. Investment, yeah, project. And, um, and yeah, and, 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 and if you put that with the fact that they're interested in their pathways and their future and their career, it's not just focused around these kids being elite sportsmen either. Mm. It's about them being good kids. Mm. Um, and that's... That's important. I think the other thing we haven't talked about at all is that the club system within Australia is completely different to what it is within New Zealand. And so that link with the community and link with the clubs is quite evident because um, they have a lot of emphasis in Australia around playing for club. And that's where the kids go and play as opposed to school. And that's quite different to New Zealand. Yep. You know, our club system in most sports uh, is um, a little bit non-existent or certainly not as much emphasis as there is in our first eleven football teams and our top netball teams and our top rugby teams and so on. Mm. Mm. All right, thanks for um, thanks for sitting down and um, sharing your thoughts on those four schools. It's been I think it's been a really good week and it's been a, um, it's been a, a pleasure sharing the week with you, going to visit these schools and driving in the car with you all the way to Bendigo and back. Um, so yeah, so thanks for coming on. Any last any last words you want to say? Any no, shout outs? Thanks for the invite, Carl. Yes, appreciate that. And Yep. Hello to anybody watching. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you enjoyed it and bore you to death. Yeah, I think um, for, for anybody listening, it's probably really hard to to visualise what we've seen. You know, it's just been incredible what we've seen this week. And, and this has been great. I've really enjoyed this debrief. But, um, but yeah, certainly fire through any questions or get yourselves over here and, and have a look if you're interested in knowing a bit more. If you get a chance to go and see schools that you like, go and see them nothing more powerful than going and seeing a school that you think might you get some value out of. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a number of them through the Sport and Education Project and now we're seeing one in Melbourne so certainly hold a call and I'm sure he will, you'll let you know which places to go but you know you, you guys around the country will know what schools you want to emulate so go and knock on their doors and see if you can go and see some good stuff. Alright thanks man, thanks Celia. Thank you. Cheers guys.